Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. So great to see so many of our young people today just transitioning through, and you know, especially that you know that transition from grade six. Uh, to year seven, that's a big transition moment. I remember going through that moment and, you know, when you're in grade six, you're like the big kid, like everyone else is is small that, that, that's around you, you're the big kid, and then you transition into high school, now you are the small child or the small kid, you know, you know, and, and so, you know, it's just a transition that you that you need to, to make and, it, and it's hard, you know. I remember going from a, an old school to a new school and, and there's all this apprehension when you make these big changes. Like for me, I was thinking, you know, what's it going to be like and what are my teachers going to be like and will I make friends and, and what's the school going to be like? And you have all these questions and maybe, I don't know, doubts or uncertainty about what's going to happen immediately after you start going wherever you're going to go. And uh, yeah, we even, you know, as, as parents, Pastor Sarah and I, we sent our kids to a new school years ago and we had all the same feelings. If you think it's hard going through just personally, when you become a parent now, uh, now you really feel it. Will my kids connect in well? Hope they make great friends, you know, and, and you care about these things. And I think one of the things that it's easy to struggle with sometimes is just that transition because there's so much uncertainty in transition. You know, where are we going and what's it going to be like when we get there and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I thought, you know what, today I want to, I want to share a message with you called The Trouble with Transition. The Trouble with Transition. Because, you know, a lot of people go through transition moments. So I want to read a scripture to you. And this comes out of John chapter 14. Uh, verse 1 to 7, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Now, this is Jesus speaking, and He says, Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house there are many rooms. If, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am you may also, or you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? It's a great question, Thomas. And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I remember years ago, I took over Bright Church along with Pastor Sarah. This was the biggest adventure of our lives. It felt like one of the biggest decisions we'd ever made, apart from getting married and following Jesus and probably having kids. And then there was this, and it was pretty significant ministry to step into, to suddenly start leading and, and running a church. And let me tell you something about it. It was one of the most difficult things that I had done. I mean, saying yes to transitioning into the role, that was easier. But can I tell you something? Is that when we took over this church, it was really January 2013. And we started leading the church and, and a lot of 
things are shifting. A lot of things are moving. There's a lot of moving parts. Some staff are transitioning in, some staff are transitioning out. We're just trying to make sense of everything that's happening, you know, in our world. And then I remember uh, I'd been doing the job for whatever it was, five months, something like that. And I get a letter in the mail from the people that owned the facility that we rented. And the letter read something like this. We just wish to inform you that the building that you're in may no longer be rented by you. We give you a few weeks to vacate the premises. I could not believe that we would receive something like that. This was a major challenge. And so I remember I, I called them up. I said, you can't do this. I said, listen, I know that we just rented from you and obviously you can do what you need with your property. But if you only give us two weeks notice, we will be on the street with our desks and our filing cabinets and, and, and the stage equipment and everything. We, we will just be on the streets because we don't know where to go and what we're gonna do. And so they said, all right, well, we'll give you about six weeks. And this was the biggest challenge that I think I, I had faced that year. How am I gonna make this transition? And what we ended up doing is putting a lot of things into storage. We went nomadic for a little while. And then we ended up in this little place called Yurunga Community Center in Croydon. And Yurunga Community Center, I uh, affectionately called it Camp Krusty because it had a straw thatched roof. It was actually like a netball court is where we would meet or a volleyball court. And, and you know, it was small. I mean, we went from renting a large facility with plenty of room to this tiny little space. Uh, we couldn't even fit all the people in there. And that in itself was a nightmare. Not to mention the location wasn't great. The car park wasn't great. We had so many challenges with this venue. No kid space, but it was the only place that we could get. And there were so many moments where I would go into church and I would preach this message, whatever I had on my heart. And honestly, I felt like, honestly, this just sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I'm not enjoying this. And if I didn't enjoy the morning service, well, the nighttime was much worse. Our night services, everything was dark. It was kind of creepy there at night. And we were trying to run services. And in the end, we had to make a, a dramatic shift and, and do something different with our night services. They just weren't working on, on site. And I would go home on, on some you know, occasions and I would be feeling so uh, frustrated and irritated, all this uncertainty in, 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 in my heart about what we were doing. Why did we say yes to this? I would actually go to the, you know, video shop. Or the, this is back when you could hire DVDs, right? So I would go and hire, and honestly, I, I don't mind you judging me just a little bit. Don't send me an email about it. But I would hire the most violent movie that, maybe not the most violent, but I would hire some kind of action movie uh, because I needed what was happening on the inside of me to find kind of, I don't know, some kind of equilibrium in what was on the outside, you know? And I would just needed to something to take my mind off it. I remember I said to God this one time, I said, hey, um, this is not what I signed up for. And he said, yeah, you did. And I didn't feel like what I signed up for, but in the end I had to come to it and I said, hey, you know, this is in fact what I, what I signed up for. I'm telling you, transition is hard. And the thing that makes it hard sometimes is that there's all this uncertainty about what's gonna happen next. 
Because the truth is, you don't really know. And I don't know if you know this or not, but God knows every thought that's going through your head. He knows everything that you're thinking. He knows your thoughts even before you're going to say it. He knows everything that's going on, which is why sometimes what God does is He he answers a question you haven't even asked yet. He gives you a solution that you don't even know that you need because you're about to have a problem. He knows what's going on inside of your mind and your heart. And this is kind of what Jesus was doing in this moment. This is why Jesus was talking to His disciples and He says to them, let your hearts or let not your hearts be troubled. Now, when Jesus said that to His disciples, that should have been the biggest clue that they were about to go through a really challenging time, a very challenging season. When Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, what He's essentially saying is, you're about to have an experience that's going to challenge what you think or maybe challenge what you believe. It's going to be very, very hard. But when you go through that moment, don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel the pressure, but, but don't let your heart be troubled. And the season that was ahead of them was that Jesus was about to die. And the disciples believed that the Messiah was Jesus and that He would come. And their ideas might have been so many things, but among their, their own future was not that the Savior of the world would die. It would be that He sets everything right. It would be that He maybe overthrows the Roman Empire. It would be that He changes the religious platform and, and, and changes the way that people connect with God. But among their thoughts was not that Jesus would die. And so He's kind of given them a clue when He says, hey, I'm going to go somewhere. And Thomas, Thomas asked a good question. Thomas says, how can we know the way? And Jesus gives him an answer. It was a profound answer. It was an answer that would answer all of his future questions. He said, I am the way. So he didn't just answer what Thomas was asking that day. He was saying, you know what? I am the way. I'll always be the way. And if you're not sure how to do life, I'm the way. If you don't know how to go somewhere or where to go or or what's ahead, I'm the way. If you do life in me and follow me, I'm the way and I'm going to help to get you there. He He answers Thomas with this profound question. And here are the disciples that have been following Jesus at this moment for three years. And they've seen some amazing stuff. And right now, as Jesus shares this information with them, they are one day away from the biggest transition in human history. One day away from the biggest transition in human history. Jesus is about to pay the penalty for sins. And what would happen is instead of having a system where people would get close to God based on their merit, suddenly they would walk in incredible grace. Jesus would pay the penalty for all of their sins. And and this is the gospel, but it comes at the price of Jesus's life. Now they're just one day away. And so Thomas asked Jesus this question. And and I think it's a great question because Jesus says, hey, I'll show you where to go and I'll bring you to me and it's going to be okay. Thomas says, hey, we don't know the way. Which way do we go? Now, I feel like what Thomas was asking, or maybe what he thought Jesus was going to say was, well, you just take Jerusalem Street. When you get to the end, take a left, and that's where I'll be. And I'll take you to where I'm going. 
this is probably how Thomas interpreted the, the answer to his question. But Jesus says, no, no, I am the way. I am the way to eternal life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm also the, the way to do life on planet Earth. When you're making decisions about your thoughts uh, regarding philosophy, values, um, you know, just how you approach everything, how you connect your theology, everything. He says, I am the way. I'm the way to eternal life. I'm the way to do life on planet Earth if you choose to follow me. And so Thomas, if you read the scripture, Thomas asked the question because I think Thomas wanted to follow. Now, the thing is, you don't really know much about Thomas. We don't know heaps about Thomas. In fact, even in the book of John, Thomas is only mentioned three times. And, and let me tell you a couple of times that Thomas is mentioned. The first time Thomas is mentioned is in chapter 11, verse 16. And I'll give you the scenario. One of Jesus's friends, a man named Lazarus, has died. And at this exact moment, Jesus was not highly favored among the, the Jewish people, and they were seeking a way to get him. They wanted to kill him. And so everyone knew that Lazarus was one of Jesus's friends. So the other disciples, they say to Jesus, listen, we know Lazarus is sick, but if you go to Lazarus, everyone knows you're going there, Jesus. And when you go, they're going to kill you. And we don't want you to die. You can't go. Here comes Thomas. And Thomas says, hang on. I think not only should we go, I will follow my Lord to go to Lazarus. And, and if we die, then so be it. I will die with my Lord. I will die with him, right? This is a man of great faith. Thomas is a person that is happy to look down the barrel of the gun and he says, come on, let's do it. Like he is just a man on fire who's ready to go. I think he's incredibly brave. You know, so often when we follow God, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, or if we take a big step or make a big transition, you know what we want? So we want security. God, I'll do this for you, but I want to be secure in the outcome. I want there to be some assurances. I just want to know that if I take this huge faith step for you, and if I take this faith risk for you, I just want your assuredness that it's going to be all right, that everything's going to be fine. And that's how we can feel sometimes. That is not what Thomas did. Thomas says, I have no idea what will happen if we go to Lazarus, but whatever happens, right, I will just deal with it. And if that means that I die, then it means that I die and I am totally okay with this. Now, I want to tell you something about following Jesus because some people are going to want to tell you that if you follow Jesus, that everything will work out just the way you hoped, right? But you know, the truth is that just hasn't been my experience. I, I've discovered that things don't always work out the way that I hope. They don't even necessarily always work out the way that I planned. And so when you follow Jesus, you may not end up where you want to be, but you always end up where you're supposed to be. Sometimes those places are different. I'm not where I want to be, but I just kept saying yes to Jesus. And I know, even though I would never have chosen this, and even though I didn't want to be here, you know, wherever that place is, 
You just know that you are where you're supposed to be because you continue to follow. Despite the challenges, despite the obstacles, you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So here is Jesus talking to the disciples and giving them this incredible clue that something very challenging is about to happen and their hearts should not be worried. And everything is fine for about a day. And then Jesus dies and all of the disciples, including Thomas, are absolutely devastated. They never saw this coming. They did not expect that he would be arrested. They did not expect that he would be tried. They did not expect that he would be uh, tortured. They did not expect that he would be nailed to a cross. They did not expect to stand around and watch the person that they believed was the Messiah be killed for everything that he declared was truth. They never saw this coming. And this is a, a horrible place for all of these people to be. They said, what's going to happen now? And that's the trouble with uncertainty. The trouble with transition is that we don't know what's going to happen next. We're uncertain about it. That's the trouble with uncertainty in transition. And you have probably felt this before. Like you may have felt this if you lost a job. And you say, well, what's going to happen next? Or, or, or maybe what it was is you ended a relationship and you're like, well, I don't know. How am I going to find another person? Maybe somebody ended up a relationship with you and you thought, that's it. That's the end. Like, I don't know. I'll never find a person as good as that person. They were the one, you know, and, and trust me, there's more than one one. And and that's what you think. Or maybe the, the, the big faith step or the transition is starting a new relationship, you know? And, and you think, I, I just don't know where this is going to go. I don't know where it's going to end up. But it's filled with all of this uncertainty. And you think, what happens now? Like, what do I do? And, and, and where do we go? I love what Helen Keller says. She says, abandon the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. I love that. Isn't that good? That the end of the road is, or the bend in the road is, is, is not the end of the road, right? Unless you fail to make the turn. You know, the thing is I've discovered is that a bend, sometimes it looks like the end. And as you get closer, you suddenly start to realize that this road keeps going, but you just couldn't see where it was leading. Now, if you fail to make the turn, you're going to go over the edge of that thing and hey, it's not going to end well for you because you just saw so straight that you weren't willing to be flexible or you weren't willing to change or you weren't willing to transition and take the bend, right? So yeah, that, that can happen. But if, but if you just see that there's not the end, but it's just a bend that the road keeps going, but, but there's going to be a transition moment. You're going to have to change your direction maybe a little bit, right? If you learn how to do that, then you can keep going through life and going through seasons that look like they're ending and realize it's not the end. Listen, you know, recently, I, I, I was probably a couple of months ago, I, I got a, a road bike. I've been riding it. You know what? It's probably like six months. I've been riding this thing. And then only until recently, until, you know, we came out of lockdown a little bit, that I was able to ride my bike a bit further. And one of the places I always wanted to ride it was up Mount Dandenong. And so... You know, I, I take the bike up there and, and I can tell you that as I'm going up, there are so 
many bends in the road. Like the thing just keeps going around and around, right? And it feels like it never ends, by the way. But, but yeah, you know, if every time I saw a bend, if I thought that that was the end, then I'd be a basket case. I mean, if I treated life like that and every time I saw a bend and I, and I didn't make the turn, I, I'd be freaking out all of the time. And you know what I've discovered is that people are like this. Sometimes people, they, they see that life has a lot of twists and turns and bends in the road and they're not sure about the transition. So every time it looks like something might come to an end, they freak out only to realize as they get closer that if they make the turn, that everything could actually end up being okay. I want to give you a couple of tips about being in transition because I, I think this could be really helpful. Number one is when you're in doubt, don't make big decisions. Because sometimes when you're in transition, there's a little bit of uncertainty. Hey, what's going to happen? What are we doing? Where are we going, right? Try not to make really big life-altering, changing decisions in a season where you're filled with doubt or you may make a decision that you regret. Those doubt decisions are very different to making big faith decisions. But, but don't make big decisions when you're full of big fears and full of big doubts. And the, and the second one is this, is don't isolate yourself while you're making decisions. It's amazing to me how many people are surrounded by, especially even in, inside a faith community, but when it comes time to making a decision, they just cut everyone out and just think, you know what, I'm gonna, I just have to do this on my own. And don't listen to the, the wisdom of like pastors or leaders or a community or whatever. Hey, listen, you got all these people in your life that are there to help you. And if you, don't, if you don't have a church, maybe you don't have this. I would encourage you, if you don't have a church, you should come to Bright Church because we love having a community of faith. It's not just about the messages. It's not just about worship on Sunday. It's about being connected to something so much more significant. And so don't isolate yourself when you're going to make big decisions. Allow people space to speak into your life, people that you trust, people that you know can hear from God, people that have a gift of wisdom. You know, my, my, I can tell you something right now. Sarah, my wife, man, she, she doesn't make decisions in isolation. We went through this period of time and it felt like a, a good couple of years there. You know, she's a teacher. So whenever she finishes work, the first thing that she would do is she would go straight to the shops and she would call me from the shops and she would say to me, I don't know what we're going to do for dinner. The, the future was filled with uncertainty. Like we have no idea what we're going to eat for dinner that night. The problem is every time she calls me, I'm in the middle of work and this would happen every single day. I should have made a list, but I didn't, right? And so she would call me and say, what are we going to do for dinner? And the thing is, you know, you know, I've eaten, I've eaten thousands of meals, thousands of different, different kinds of food and different meals. The moment I get asked that question, I can't think of any of them. I can't think of anything to eat. In fact, I, the only thing I come up with, and, I, and this, is, this was always my go-to, I'm like, tacos? Like that was the thing I would say every time. Have we had tacos this week? Could we have tacos twice? I can only think of tacos. I can't think of anything else, right? I actually probably have about three things. I'm like, can we have a steak? What about steak and vegetables? So, I, so this, is, this is my whole thing. I got steak and veggies. I got uh, tacos or, or spaghetti bolognese. And then, and then if those three things, if we've already had them this week, honestly, the future is filled with uncertainty because I can't think of a thing outside of that, right? So she's like trying to get help. And you know, that, that was her problem. She called me for wisdom about what we should eat. I didn't have that wisdom, all right? So, so maybe she should have called someone else. But the point is, is that when you're having trouble, 
call someone that cares. Maybe call someone that can help you as you start to navigate through a season of uncertainty or as you're trying to make a, a transition to the next moment. Here's Thomas moving into an uncertain future and he's moving into a, a future before he even really feels ready for it. A future filled with uncertainty. He's been pushed into it and he doesn't know what's going to happen. He feels totally unprepared. Now, this is the thing. I've discovered that these moments of transition that matter and mean so much, they can often happen when you are unaware or, or when you're unprepared. You didn't know it was about to happen and you feel underprepared for the transition moment or, or season or whatever it is. And this is exactly where Thomas felt that he was. Transition will often happen that way. Oftentimes God will take you to a place that you didn't want to go. So I would never have picked this for my future. This is not what I would have said I wanted, right? But how you handle that season of transition. Now listen to this, because this is super important. How you handle that season of transition makes a difference to the peace that you carry, the momentum that you have, and the grace that you're walking in. You know, I love going on holidays and... You know, we would often take holidays away with my, with my parents. And uh, I remember my dad, oh boy, look, my, my dad, he is planned, like planned, planned. Okay, so he knows everything that's going to happen. He's making a decision for how to get from point A to point B. You want my dad to take you. He would be the greatest Uber driver that ever drove an Uber if he decided to do that. He takes into consideration the traffic on the road, the precipitation in the air, the moisture on the surface of the road from the precipitation, the speed, the traffic. It's like he has this gift for aligning it right and he sees it and it's like the quickest way we can get from here to there is to do this at that time and that's how he works and that's how he plans it, right? So we were on this trip and I remember talking to him and I said, hey, dad, I said, hey, how about we just go get a coffee? And dad was like, coffee? If we just pull over and get a coffee, that's gonna upset the whole routine, like the whole thing. Like we, we can't just pull over and get a coffee. I say, hey dad, I say, come on now. I said, you can, you can just make this journey all about from getting from point A to point B, but, but we could learn how to enjoy the journey. Why don't we just, let's just get a coffee, dad. He was like, okay. Now I would say that I don't know how many, times I've really influenced my dad, but this thing has worked. And now my dad, he thinks differently about it. He's, he's all about the stopping and the coffee and enjoying the journey. What I'm saying is, if you do it right, you can enjoy the journey even when you don't understand where you're going. And I think this is an incredibly important way to embrace transition. So back to the story. Jesus was resurrected and so, because come on, what I say, what are we talking about today? Like he's died, he's been buried, but at this point now in the story, right, he's been resurrected. And he goes to visit the disciples. And I want to read to you the account of what happens when he visits the disciples. John 20, 19 to 29. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, 
Peace be with you. Can you imagine that? Like the doors are locked, right? Suddenly Jesus, boom, he just appears. And his first words are, peace be with you. Honestly, I think all of them probably had to change their underpants because I'm telling you right now, that would freak you out. You're in there, you're mourning the loss of your Savior. Suddenly he's there and he's speaking. And and man, if I, if I was Jesus, man, I would have said that really loud. Like I would have come into that room and I'd be like, peace be with you. And just to see what I could get out of them, to see if, you know, they were really saved in their hearts. Anyway, so here it says, verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sight. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven forgiven them. And if you withhold the sin, uh, withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now look at this. I want you to see this. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Where was Thomas? I'm telling you, Thomas missed small group that night. All the disciples sit together. They're all in one room. They're having small group. Where is Thomas right now? This is a good reason why you should not miss small group. This is why we say, hey, don't miss small group. The one day that you decide to miss small group could be the day Jesus manifests. He just shows up. So don't ever miss small group. You just got to be there for it. So here he is. And he shows up. Verse 25, it says, So the other disciples told him, said to Thomas now, right? They said, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now watch this. Eight days later. Eight. Look at the person next to you. Say eight. Type it right now in the comment section. Type eight. Eight. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas went to small group. All right. That's in the original language. It's not, it's not. But he's at small group that night, okay? So he's with them. It says, Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. So that's his entry. He keeps saying the same thing. Peace be with you, right? He, he probably has to say that because they're freaking out. Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. In other words, Thomas said, I, I believe this is real. This has happened. You've been resurrected. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And then he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas was so focused on his trouble that he missed the transition. It's like the, his trouble just pulled all of his focus and, and, and all the other disciples, you think about it, right? There was a, a bend in the road. They thought it was the end, but they made the curve, not Thomas. Here he is, failing to take the turn, failing to make the transition. See, what looked like the end of the road was only the bend. That, Thomas just never saw it that way. 
He didn't see it because he wasn't present with the other disciples. Why? Where was he? Well, he isolated himself. He was making big decisions. I mean, gosh, come on. Like he's believed that Jesus is the Messiah and, and, and he's following him, ready to die with his Lord and to say that he will never believe. That's a big decision. That's a big faith decision. Come on now. Hey, if you start making big faith decisions like that and just dropping your faith and just forgetting about it because things didn't quite work out the way that you had planned it, that is a big decision to make while you're having a big doubt. Don't make it in isolation. Make that decision with the right people around you that can speak to you. And he missed the turning point because of all of the trauma that was in his life. And I feel like so many people can do this. What's, you know what's worse about this? It wasn't just that he, that he missed this encounter with Jesus that gave him clarity over what Jesus did. Jesus was telling them all these things that was gonna to happen to me. He told them about the Holy Spirit coming and, and was teaching them. And he missed all of this moment. And his life would have been dramatically different if he had of not dropped his faith, made a decision in isolation, forgot where he was going, what he was doing. If he had have just, if he had have just made the turn then everything would have been different for Thomas. I mean, let me ask you a question. How do you think Thomas spent that eight days? How do you think he spent that day, eight days? Well, I'll give you the answer. He spent it in anguish. He spent it in despair. It was gut-wrenching. Here he is for eight days thinking this is the end. Everything we've believed, everything we've hoped for, and it's all over. Jesus is dead, right? Think about how the other 10 disciples felt. Remember, we started with 12. Judas hung himself because of that thing he did. You know what I'm talking about. And then you got Thomas and he's not with them. So we got 10 left and look at the 10. The 10 had the greatest eight days of their life. They had the greatest eight days because for them, they realized that what they thought was the end was actually just the beginning. And it gave context to all of Jesus's words and all of the prophecies and everything that didn't make sense before. It now suddenly makes sense. They look on their future with great clarity, great hope. They have peace in their hearts, renewed joy in their spirits. They're looking at the future and they're saying anything is possible. Why? Because they had an encounter that Thomas never had. And here's the thing. They went through the same experience. They had the same things that were happening around them. I bet you for that eight days, they got up in the morning, they, had, they were in the same weather, the same weather patterns, the same challenges, the same everything that was around them, right? Except what was different was that the 10 had a totally different mentality, a completely different outlook. And why did they have that? Because they transitioned well because they made the turn, because they saw things that they didn't understand because God began to reveal it to them. I wonder if Thomas thought back to a few days earlier when Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. And I wonder if he was thinking during that eight day period, yeah, well, that's easy for you to say, um, you're dead now and, and you're saying, don't let my heart be troubled. How am I supposed to not be troubled when you're dead and everything's over? And yet despite the fact that Jesus said that and Thomas felt like it was wrong, the other disciples would have thought back to the exact same conversation and they would have said, man, Jesus was right. He was completely right. And you've got to get this. You've got to see this whole thing. You know, in this passage that I read to you today, 
The first passage, it's all about transition. Think about it. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going somewhere. Now, you don't know where I'm going and it's uncertain for you, but I'm going somewhere and we're going to transition everything. And this is the greatest transition that humanity has ever gone through. The whole passage is about transition. You won't be doing ministry by yourself anymore. I'll come help you. I'll take you. Everything you think you know is about to change, but it's going to be so much better than you ever imagined. And that's the thing about sometimes transitioning. You may be uncertain, but it still might be better than where you are. And the thing that you need to do is trust God when you don't understand what He's doing. Because trust me, you may not end up where you want to be, but if you keep following Jesus, you will end up where you're supposed to be. This is what you need to know. The words that Jesus said in the beginning were just as true as they were in the transition. Come on, that's, that's good. The words that Jesus said in the beginning, they were just as true during the transition, even though it didn't feel like that to Thomas, but they were just as true. You know, that God is just as strong before the storm as He is in the storm. This is where people go off the rails. This is where they fail to make the turn because the thing is, is that it all sounds good theoretically before you run into problems. And then you find yourself in the middle of challenges and in the middle of problems. And suddenly you start to rethink about what God previously said. Well, maybe everything that God said isn't true. No, this is, this is what I'm saying. All the things that Jesus said before your troubles are just as true as they are in your troubles. And the reason why you need to know this is that it's easy to focus on trouble in transition. And transition is often marked by uncertainty. If you're trying to figure out if you're in a transition season, your job, a relationship, something's happening in your world right now. Maybe the fact that there is so much uncertainty ahead is the indicator to you that, hey, you know what? You might actually be in a transition and, and this, is, this is what you got to do to handle it. You, you got to stop looking for peace in the outcome and start looking for peace in the process. Because we want certainty. We want guaranteed outcomes. We want to know that big faith risks will always end in great faith rewards and everything's going to be okay and there'll never be a problem. And, and, and sometimes we want the certainty of the outcome. Don't look for peace in the certainty of the outcome. Sometimes we look for peace in the process. And let me tell you what I mean by that so that you really get this. There are so many things in my life that I've learned that I cannot control. I can't control it. What I can do is I can manage how I handle the process. I don't know exactly what the outcome's gonna be, but I know that I can always say yes to Jesus. And when the wrong thing comes to me, I say, no, I'm not, I'm not going that way, or I'm not making that decision because I'm choosing Jesus. In fact, He is the way, the truth, and the life. If He's the way, I'm gonna choose Him and His way. When I'm trying to make a, a value-based decision, I'm going to do it His way. When I'm making a stewardship-based decision, I'm going to do it His way. Why? He's the way. 
Here's the truth. Here's the life. And, and this is what I know. I know that wherever I end up, maybe it's not exactly where I want to be, but if I did it right in the process, if I always followed Jesus, if I maintained my integrity, if I maintained you know, who I was and understood who I am in Christ more than anything else and did it the right way, then no matter what happens, I can say at the end of it all that I still did it right, even though I didn't end up where I wanted to be. Got to stop looking for peace in the outcome and start looking for peace in the process. Because let me tell you, peace doesn't come from you controlling the transition. It comes from knowing that God's in charge of your transition. Come on, He's sovereign. He's over everything. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And when the unexpected happens, I've got to tell you that He is just as in control then as He is in your life right now. So no matter what happens, wherever it is, here's what I'm saying. You can have peace in the transition. Just choose Him every time. Don't focus on the trouble in transition. See, that what you think is the end is, is, is probably not. There's a bend in the road. If you, if you make the turn, if you lean into God, if you trust Him and you put trust Him in the process, right? You can make the turn. It's transformed the way that you look at everything that's happening in your life. And I just want to, I want to pray for people today. I want to pray for anyone that in their heart, they just feel so uncertain about the future. You don't know what's going to happen with your work next year. You don't know what's happening with your kids' lives right now. You don't know what's happening with your finances right now. There's a lot that you don't know. Some of you might even have health challenges and you don't know what's going to happen there either. And I want to pray for you to have peace while you still have uncertainty. So come on, if that's you and you know it's you, come on, why don't you just, why don't you let me pray for you, but why don't you join with me too? Come on, let's do this together. Father God, I just thank you so much for all the people who are listening to this and say, yep, there's some uncertainty ahead for me. I don't, I don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but God, I pray that there would be peace. Lord, your word says that you grant to us a peace that surpasses understanding that you got our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so Father, I pray that Lord, we would always choose you as the way. When there's a bend in the road, I pray that, that nobody's concerned and worried thinking that this is the end, but Lord, they just understand that this is actually just a bend. And that God, your word says, even in the story we heard today, that you'll find us and you'll bring us to you. And I pray God that for every single person that says, I choose you, Jesus, I'm gonna do it your way. You are the way. I pray God that you'd bring them to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church weekly podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.